<laughs> That's all right. Let's give God praise. One of these days, we will be around the throne of God, uninhibited by the things of this world, truly worshiping with our whole heart. Amen. Glorifying the King of Kings, magnifying Him. Isn't He amazing? You know, we, I read that scripture and I didn't realize that how the Lord was aligning everything for this service. But, but God, right? <laughs> God always works everything according to His perfect plan and it's according to His perfect will. I mean, literally what I wanted to share this morning is about bringing down strongholds and thrones that, that we sometimes allow to take precedent over the things of God. And, and I just wanted to help us to understand. I think sometimes we, we recognize we recognize that the love of God is real, and we thank God for His love. Amen? We thank God for His grace. We thank God that He is here with us, that He said, I will never leave you nor forsake, forsake you. We're thankful for all of those factors and the benefits that we find in Christ Jesus, but we're not, sometimes we're, we're, we're not aware of how the enemy likes to creep in obscurely in ways that deter us from what God really intends for us. And we allow the subtle things to creep in and, and, and it's those things that we need to ask God to reveal to us. Ask God. We, I mean, 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Another version says, be sober in spirit and be on alert. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firmly in your faith. Knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Who are all around the world. After you have suffered for a little while... The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself protect, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Another place it says, I would have you not be ignorant. I think sometimes we need to understand the schemes. Now, I... I also recognize that if to find the, the perfect, to recognize the true, you have to study the truth so much that you can recognize the lie. Right? But my concern is, is that we don't spend enough time in the truth in order to recognize the lie. We've allowed errant theologians to direct us. 
We've allowed the sneaky foxes to twist and manipulate the word. Instead of digging deep and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us through his word, we need to get back into the word of God. We need to allow this word to speak into us, to teach us the truth. And so we have to know the truth because the word says if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So we need to be cautious. We need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to understand how the enemy is operating around us. Amen? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, talking about the Son. He says, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with all the oil of gladness more than your companions. We have to recognize that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the throne room of God. The Word of God tells us, be holy for I am holy. We want revival. We want to experience the move of God in our church. And, 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 and I want that just as much as anyone else. But I also recognize that the move of God begins in your home. The move of God begins in your prayer life. The move of God begins when you get in right relationship with God and allow God to do something in you. Amen? Because if we walk in the flesh, we'll fulfill the law of the flesh, right? But if we walk in the Spirit, we overcome the enemy. We overcome the flesh. And, and so therefore, we need to walk in holiness and righteousness, blameless in the sight of the world, knowing that we are God's children. According to this scripture in 1 Peter, look, we, we may even suffer for it. We may even have difficult times through it. But knowing that we are being vigilant, knowing that we are being sober-minded and we are aware of the enemy's attack, that no matter what happens through the trials that we may face in this world, we know that in his word it says, if you suffer for a little while, right? The God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself perfect you. Come on, somebody. He'll perfect you. He will, he will confirm. He will strengthen and establish you. See, the reality is, is the world wants to make us think that if everything's not just the way we want it to be, then are we right with God? The world wants us to think that if we're not living in this bed of roses and everything's hunky-dory, that, that then, then God must not be real. God, God must not be true. It's a watered-down gospel that has been diluted so that we will fall into a mindset that we can just compromise with the world. And eventually we lose our hope. We lose our faith. We're no longer uh, willing to suffer in the times that we are because we are not committed to his plan. thrones somebody says well what does it mean to have thrones set up in our life how does the enemy work well, even in Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 14 says how you have fallen from heaven O star of the morning son of the dawn you have 
been cut down to the earth. You have, you have weakened the nations. But you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will, will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will make myself like the most high. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Pretty interesting that the enemy wants to set up a kingdom of darkness. It's pretty interesting to even this past week to hear some of our political people say a, a new world, the, the term new world order. Guys, we, we need not to be unaware. Somebody says, well, you know, the end of time, we, we're living in the end of times. We could... It could radically fast forward so quickly and make your head spin. And the question is, is, are we ready? Is our hearts in the right place? Is our minds on the right course? Is there anything in us that would pull us into the, the, the abyss, if you will, of the world? Is there anything that would hinder us from making the steps toward righteousness and holiness? Are we ready? I mean, I can give you a motivational speech. Oh, things are beautiful. God is gracious, and He is. But he also tells us that I am with you when you are with me. Are you with him? Are you on the same track? Are you on the same team? Is, are you expecting him to bend to where you are? Are you willing to go to where he is? He wants us to come to him. Multiple times, come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? Come unto me, right? He wants us to come to him. But we have to recognize that, that the enemy is trying to set up strongholds. And the only stronghold that is legitimate is the, is the throne room of God, is the kingdom of God, is the stronghold of God himself. We're designed, come on somebody, we're designed to walk in the presence of God, designed to be in the safe place of His presence, designed to find a, a safe haven, a refuge, if you will, in His presence. That's His desire for us. If you look throughout the Old Testament, you can see, whether it be in Amos chapter 1, verse 7, Amos chapter 1, verse 10, or 12, you can see where He is dethroning and, and casting down and tearing down strongholds. He Wants to tear down the strongholds of the world. Right? But we understand that just as there are physical strongholds, there are also metaphorical strongholds. Because we find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or flesh, but, we, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Come on. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. This passage shows us that the spiritual strongholds are arguments. Isn't it amazing how the enemy wants to bring division by bringing arguments? But not only does he try to bring division to bring arguments within the body, but he has arguments against us. Open doors. Things that that we sometimes allow to take place because of decisions that are against the plan of God. Right? So we see these things, right? (laughs) Hopefully we see these things. These strongholds are lofty opinions and thoughts that are raised against the knowledge of God or, or held in esteem over the knowledge of God. Like we believe these things more than we believe God. We believe, we believe them so much that we allow them to be the determining factors of the decisions that we make every single day. Who is the stronghold of our life? Who's making the decision? Who is the one guiding our steps? Who is the one that that we're finding our hope in? Strongholds are often rooted in pride because they rely on our individual self. I can do this. I'm good. I got this. Right? We're too busy depending on ourself, our own self-righteousness. Our own self-worth. Isn't it amazing that we live in a society that is literally walking around in depression because of their self-worth. They're depending too much on themselves. If your self-worth is found in Christ Jesus, then you know your value. Come on, somebody. You know who you are. You know that he is with you. You know that he's for you. You know that he has a plan for you. You know all these things when you walk in his presence and you're submitted to his will. Amen. Come on, somebody. These other strongholds, these things of the enemy, they lead to a prideful heart. They lead to unhealthy thought patterns. They lead to habitual sins. They they just seem to overcome us. And anything that, it, that we trust in besides the Lord is illegitimate. I remember living in, La, or living in Honduras and working in La Mosquitia. And, and every new child that was born, they would put this red bracelet around their arm. And I thought, oh, how cute. Until I realized what they were doing. It was a a good luck charm, if you will. It was something of witchcraft. They would put it around the arm so that it would bring safety to that child. And and being a part of the church and going in and preaching in these churches, and I would see these red bands, and, and, and my thought was like, do you trust in God or do you trust in this? And I had to teach that this That Jesus plus something else is illegitimate. Jesus plus anything else is occultish. And that only Jesus is the way. Only Jesus is the truth. Only Jesus is the life. Only Jesus is the one that can protect you. Only Jesus is the one that can break the chains of darkness. It is only Jesus Christ. One of our our ministers in, 
in the port city of La Mosquitia, he had a young lady that was working in his home, and, and one day he saw her with this bottle of oil with herbs down inside of it. And it wasn't her salad dressing. And he said, what is this? And, and, and what she had done is she had went to the witch doctor to have this oil made to give her good luck in her work. And he said, young lady, I don't know if you realize what you have done to my home. You have desecrated my home because you have brought this illegitimate authority into my home. He says, not only did it not protect you and not only did it make not make you have favor, but it's going to cause you to get fired because you no longer work here. There's too many times we, we, we say, well, we're not, we're not that way. We don't do that thing. How often, what do we trust in? What do we put our hope in? What do we put our faith in? What do we rely on? What is it that, that we find ourselves spending the most time worrying about? Amen. Oh, me. <laughs> I mean, we have to realize that, that thrones or seats of authority, it might be a person, it might be a mindset, it might be an actual God that we've set up that we haven't even realized. It might be a, set of, a personality trait, it might be a, a job, it might be money, it could be a specific style of worship, it could be all these things that we set up that, or damaging experiences they're all personal. They're familial. Things that, that happen around us. And, and these thrones have to be toppled. If, if we are going to trust and believe in the kingdom of God and God's plan and God's will to be fulfilled, any illegitimate kingdom has to be toppled, cast down, thrown aside in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We need to reestablish the throne room of God in this place, in our community, and around the world. Amen. Seats of authority, thrones, or strongholds. They're governing, they're governing powers. They, they govern our thoughts. They govern our emotions. They, they govern our will. They govern our access to God because we allow them to take root in us. We allow them to dictate our lives. God help us, right? All thrones are linked to, in some way, to a personal identity. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, that's just who I am? Is it really who you are? Is it really the way God made you? Is it really the way God intended you to be? To, are you too reliant on self? And this is the way I am, and I'm going to dig in and be this way, whether you like it or not. Woo, God help us. Right? <laughs> Man, so it sounds like you've met some of those people. I mean, a godly throne, that which allows a God-given identity to flow through us, will, will actually cast out or thwart the enemy's plan. When you think of Psalms 139, you think that we are created in his image. We're the tapestry of God. We've been weaved with the DNA of God. He knew us in our mother's womb. He knew us. He planned for us. 
And so therefore, when we allow God to have his way in our life, it begins to truly transform us. So, but without the knowledge of God, we become puppets of whatever is the most powerful force in our life. Whether it be a personal thing. What, what throne rules you? I mean, look, if we're vulnerable, we allow things to come in and, and allow them to influence us. I mean, think about this. Maybe it's the fact that, well, when I was a child, I didn't have much or I didn't get many opportunities. And so then we place our children on a throne in us and we allow them to rule us. Well, we don't want to, them to miss the opportunities. But what is the greatest opportunities your kids can ever have? To know Jesus. The greatest opportunity for them to experience is for Jesus Christ to be on the throne of your life. And you lead them into a relationship with him. You lead them in, the, in understanding that discipleship and living a life for God is the best way because everything else fails. Everything else fails. It is his word. It is his plan that endures forever and ever and ever. Therefore, seek first. Let him be first. Let God be number one above everything else. And everything else will fall into its place when he's number one. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I mean, when you look at thrones, it's you look that they offer a covering. One in a good way, when we're under the throne of God, we are in the covering of God, right? I mean, he covered Job, right? Someone had to ask permission because he was covered. When you look at Israel, they were covered by God. We see that in Isaiah 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, that he offered a covering, a canopy over Israel, under the throne of God, we find territory, we find space, we find a covering of God. But we also find that thrones are expansive because wherever we allow the throne of God in, he wants to expand. But vice versa, if we allow the thrones of the enemy to be set up in us, then understand that they will expand. They take territory. They want more, right? Thrones are omnipotence. They're powerful. They engulf. They overthrow. They crush. They annihilate. That's why it's so important that we allow the throne of God to be set up in us. We allow the presence of God to show forth in us. 1 John 3 and 8 says, for this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. We have to let his throne be set up in us. Amen. Y'all with me? Come on, somebody. Praise God. We can go on and on and look. But we, we also recognize that the, the throne is for judgment. We don't like to think about that aspect, but really, if we're walking in the presence and power of God, it becomes a vindication for us. Come on, somebody. 
Well, we live in an unjust world. That's okay. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. If we will submit ourselves to the throne room of God and we will submit ourselves under the hand of Almighty God, then when it comes to, when it comes to that moment, we will walk in the vindication of God knowing that everything has taken place for His glory and for His honor and all things work together for the good of them that love God who are called according to His purpose. Amen. What does judgment include? It means measuring and, and evaluating something. Thank God that he's measuring and evaluating. It means ordering things. It, it means control and direct and setting a course. It means uh, to, for us to find order and governance. God wants to establish himself in us. Amen. When it says it says in Psalms 125, it says he will set the throne room. Set the throne. The word to set means to establish. How do we establish the plans of God in this world today? How do we establish the plan of God in our life? How many understand that God, won't, God has placed us here for a purpose? And that is to be the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And we... And we are used as his purpose to establish his throne room wherever we go. Amen. God, help us to fulfill that plan. Help us to understand that. That the spiritual warfare is not something that we do with man's tools. But just as I said during worship time, that worship enthrones God and it dethrones the enemy. But not only do we see that through worship, but we understand that worship is not just singing words. It's a lifestyle that we live. Worship is getting into the Word of God and studying it. Studying God's Word is worship because it's saying, God, I value you so much that your Word means to me something that will get me through, something that will give me life, something that will be the bread that sustains me in this world. Amen. Amen. God help us, right? I mean, when you look at it, Paul, in the Acropolis, he actually dethroned the goddess Diana through the preaching of the word of God. Sometimes I think we, we think we have all these little things to overcome, but if we will just allow God to be God, he will overcome the the biggest things in our life that will terminate everything else below. He'll crush the enemy under his feet. But we've got to let him be God. We've got to find relationship with him. To establish means to allow him to put in place in our life. We need to allow God to put in place in our life his kingdom plan. Right? For the steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. If we are willing to follow the order that God has laid out for us, we're willing to see his kingdom plan set up and everything else take place. That setting throne also implies a covenant relationship with God. God wants to have a covenant relationship with us. He wants us, the word literally means to glue or to fasten. How many want to be glued to the presence of God? Come on, somebody. Woo, stick me to it, God. Put the gorilla glue of God on me and Lord let me stick 
to you because I don't want any other way. I don't want any other plan. I don't want anything to pull me away from your work because you are my God. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. But to do that, we have to tear down the, the enemy's thrones. Psalms 94 says that we, we shall, shall the throne of iniquity, come on, that we, we have to cast down the throne of iniquity. Iniquity, we have to cast down all these things that have, have tried to raise their ugly head in our life and let the throne of heaven reveal itself in us. So how we do that? Well, I look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having the shoes on, having the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, taking on the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, with the word of God, praying all, at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and all supplication. Come on. I mean, a wise person will cast down everything that hinders, right? I mean, we see that in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 22. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. <laughs> I'm climbing up, Lord, on the rough side of the mountain. I'm doing my best to make it in. Come on. We've got we to scale some walls, somebody. So we can cast down and tear down the enemy's strongholds. Let it be, Jesus, right? <laughs> There's one thing that, that we are lacking in today's society, and it is the first element of what we need to be able to conquer the enemy. What's the first, what's the first armament in this passage of Scripture? The belt of truth. We are lacking truth in today's society. I mean, it used to be that you could watch the news and actually find out something truthful. I, I, I literally asked the other day somebody who was like telling me all these, you know, current events. I'm like, where do you get your information? Because that's not on the TV. Look, the enemy, he is the father of lies. John 8, 44 says he's the father of lies. He manipulates. He casts out all these different lies. And we have to be aware that the enemy wants to bring us under subjection, right? I mean, why is our society embracing so many even non-biological ideas? Right? Why are they why is why are they so deceived to think that you can make a choice from your birth certificate? 
because the truth is no longer prevalent. When you get away from this, when you take this away from your society, when you take it away from the church, and believe me, there are churches who are no longer depending on the truth of this. They take out bits and pieces to justify and to make themselves feel good so that they can do their own thing. And let me, if you don't take it for what it is, and you don't take it for the truth that it is, and the whole thing, come on, the infallible word of God and recognize that it is the only truth that we can live by. It is the only truth that will make it, get us to heaven. Look, I, I'm, I'm, it drives me crazy to do funerals and, and have all these. I'm like, if you'll just live right. If you'll just live for Jesus. I mean, the Bible says bear fruits, right? Of Repentance. Somebody says, don't judge them. You don't know them. I said, well, look, the Bible says they'll be known by their fruits. I'm just looking at the low-hanging fruit that they got hanging. You've got to bear the fruit of living the life out. You've got to, you've got to let your light shine. And the first way to do that is caring about the belt of truth because truth will set you free. Truth will secure you. Truth will lock you into knowing that He is the only way. Truth will overcome every doubt. Truth will come over every fear no matter what comes your way. If you know the truth, you can establish yourself in the kingdom of God and nothing will pull you away from that. Glued in. Glued in. I'm closing. Maybe. <clears throat> we need the truth. There's been a loss of integrity. I mean, look. Why is it that the world doesn't trust the church any longer? Why is it that when there's struggles and trials, Trials. I mean, look, we still live in the, the Bible Belt. We, we still have those who may come to the church if they need help. But the church is not seen as the light it used to be. The church is not seen as the haven of God for people to come to. Why? Because we haven't lived the truth. When you work beside a person who claims to be a Christian and their lifestyle just is the same as everybody else's they work with, how is that truth? When a business puts the, the, the little fish Christian symbol on it and it treats customers worse than the one who, who's the hellion, then how does that make Christianity look? Somebody said, Pastor, why don't you put a sticker on your car that says you're a pastor? I said, because I, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't drive good enough. <laughs> Easy. But if you claim to be something, you've got to live that thing. A word during worship came to me. We've got to live a lifestyle of revival. What does that look like? Be ye holy as I am holy. What does that look like? It means putting on the full armor of God, not just part of it. We want the helmet of salvation because we want our ticket to heaven. We want, ooh, I, want to, I want to guard this because I want to get to heaven. 
but it means the breastplate of righteousness. It means your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. It means, you know, praying, right? It means having the sword of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon in that is the sword of the Spirit. We need to learn how to use the sword of the Spirit. This is not just your little book that you sit on a shelf. This is the sword of the Spirit of God. You will slay some enemies. Get the word out. Even Jesus, when he was being tempted, declared, Thus saith the Lord. Come on, you've got to use the word of God. And to use the word of God, you've got to know the word of God. You've got to live it. You've got to walk in it. You've got to breathe it. It's got to be a part of your life. It just can't be a book that gets dusty on your shelf. It just can't be a book that's sitting on your nightstand that you pick up every once in a while. It can't be a book and an ornament on your coffee table that when somebody comes in, you know, look at there, they're Christians. No, it's got to be something you live. It's got to be something you breathe. It's got to be something you walk in. We need the breastplate of righteousness. Be holy as I'm holy because righteousness guards the, the, the integral organs of our life, our heart, our life. Y'all can start playing. Are we ready? I mean, if there's no voice that is knowledgeable enough to come against the onslaught of the enemy, then it's going to be a tough road ahead of us. It's going to be rough, guys. If we don't become the voice today, if we don't allow the Word of God to stand today, it's going to get worse and worse. Look, the Bible says that in the last days that their hearts would wax cold. We have seen whole denominations wax cold and allow errant theology to come in and become prevalent in their bodies, causing confusion within the whole body of Christ across the world. If we don't stand for truth now, who will? If we don't make our voice heard now, who will? I mean, will we prevail? Yes. Will it be like we think it will be? I don't know. I'd love to say that, oh, America's going to win. America's going to be the lead and they're going to they're going to be the ones that bear the gospel throughout the world. They have been. Through trade, through all these different ways, we've opened the doors for the gospel to go into all places around the world. But what does that look like towards the end? I don't know. All I know is, is that we better stick with this word. We better digest it. It needs to be a part of our everyday life because... Look, the enemy could come in and, and make us burn every one of these. I know that sounds extreme, is it? My dad, in 1989, was in Korea. And he, he packed his 
He packed his t-shirts, his underclothes, his socks. He packed them with Bibles and got on a boat to go over to China. And as he was doing a tour in China, in some of the schools, he'd slip out a Bible. He'd push it in a desk so that somebody might at least get something of the Word of God. Look, our schools have almost become that way. Oh, that would never happen here in the United States. A kid can't even pray out loud at school without having some intimidation. A kid can't sit at lunch with their Bible open because there's intimidation. It can't happen here. If we do not invest in this generation now, who will? This young man right here, dude, he is fighting an all-out war, ain't you? It's rough. The things that he has to face in school, the things that he has to deal with, the the words that he has to hear, the same-sex couples. What grade are you in? Seventh grade. The same-sex couples pushed up against their locker, loving on each other. You think it ain't real? It's real. These kids need the power of the Holy Spirit. They need the Word of God. And we as a church need to do everything we can to love them, to show them that we care, to be compassionate to them. Look, we can, I get it, dude. What this guy likes and his style, it ain't always what I like. But man, if it gets the word of God in him and he becomes the anointed evangelist wherever he's at, then it's worth it all. He just won. He just won of many of these young people right here. But I believe... Justin, I believe this young man's got something deep inside of him that's powerful. He's a leader. He's going to be a bearer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm looking forward to see what God does in him. Love you, buddy. His little brother is a machine on the drums, too. And in a, in a few months, we're probably going to see him play up here. Isn't that crazy? Anthony, don't get intimidated. But I'm excited. We need to prepare ourselves and our children for the wave and the onslaught of the enemy. We need to be ready, guys. We need to be ready.
We need to dethrone the enemy. If there's anything that you can think of that where you have allowed something of the world to be in front of or above God, please identify that. I'm not saying, look, Pastor, you're supposed to say that. No, man. Believe me, I fight with it just as hard as you do. I got kids. Four of them. It's her fault. I mean, it's a challenge. But are you raising them in in an environment that they recognize that Jesus is the priority of everything else? Are we raising them in an environment that births revival because there's a hunger for God in your home? That's what it's going to take, guys. That's what we got to get to. Man, when when Isaiah saw the, the Lord high and lifted up, the first thing he said was, Woe is me! Right? We've gotten into a place where we're no longer woe is me. We're more, look at me, God. But we need to get back to the woe is me, Lord Jesus. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And I submit myself to your cleansing. Cleanse me with the coal of the altar. Touch my lips. Transform my life. And Lord, as you transform me, If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I'm available, and I'm surrendered. Have your way. Father, today, I could make an altar call and have individuals come, but Lord, I believe this is a general call for the body of Christ to reestablish your throne in their personal life and in their home. And Lord, I pray, God, that that you will give us the wisdom and the courage and the boldness to be able to look at the priorities of our life, to reorganize. Because your throne is a throne of order. A judge orders things and establishes things. And Lord, we allow you, we ask you, God, to look deeply into our lives, to reorder to structure in us your plan. Lord, you know what we have need of. You know exactly what you have created us for. You know the giftings that you've given to us. You know all about us. There's nothing hidden from you, oh God. And we ask you, Lord, that the purpose you created in us, that you begin to allow to come forth. And Lord, everything else that would distract or hinder, we ask you to dethrone in our lives. We ask the truth to be established and holiness be the standard of our home. God, have your way in us. Let this house be a house of prayer. Let this house be a house of revival. Let this house be a house of deliverance. Let this house be a place where people can come and experience 
the presence of God and be transformed for the glory of God and become vessels as disciples of God, discipling others. Let this place be your house. God, we invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come here, buddy. I want to pray for Isaac. Also, Jay had surgery this past week on his foot. He's out. Um, Cornelia has surgery coming up. and pray for her. Remember Raymond and Pam. Raymond's not doing well. They're going to send him home on hospice. So pray for that family. If there's someone else that says, Pastor, I need you to pray for me, would you raise your hand right where you are? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all see these? Keep, keep them raised for just a second. You see these hands? If there's someone around you right now, could you just reach over? Could you touch that person? Could you go to them? Would you agree with them right now? Father, we come before you, before your throne. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have given an invitation to us. That your hand is not out to abhor us or to condemn us. For your word says that you did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through you might be saved. Lord, we come before you seeking your truth, asking for your wisdom needing your touch God needing the anointing of God to rest on us to break the curse of the enemy God we ask for healing over everyone that has raised their hand we ask your presence to permeate their life God that you intervene and intersect every situation that they're facing God knowing that you will destroy the works of the enemy Lord let you arise let your enemy be scattered let you be glorified let your name be proclaimed in every one of these situations. Thank you, God, that you care and are compassionate towards us, that you've told us to cast all of our anxiety, our concern on you, for you care for us. And Lord, today we rest in your presence. Today we rely on you and your truth and your word to to see us through. Lord, the days ahead, God, we know that you are with us and we find comfort in knowing that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. That in this world, we may face all these tribulations. We may face all these trials. But we know that we can find our hope in you because our faith is in you. And our faith does not waver. We take on that shield of faith. And we we will not waver knowing that you have overcome the world. And Lord, as we abide in you, and your word abides in us, God, we will overcome. We will see the strongholds of the world tore down and we will see the stronghold of your kingdom as your kingdom comes and your will be done in Jesus name amen 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 love you guys would you as you're dismissed would you make sure you shake somebody's hand let them know you're happy to see them God bless you guys